This is with the second pick, Steve Francis, the mega niche Vancouver Grizzlies basketball podcast, where we revel in the beauty of mid 1990s expansion franchise basketball and dive into the details as though we were watching NBA classics. Though, I can assure you, we were not. I'm Jeremy Allingham. I'm here with my co-host, the wearer of bucket hats, the torturer of hypocrites, Justin McElroy. How you doing, Justin? Torture of hypocrites? What's that? Well, just look at your Twitter feed, buddy. You're just, you're roasting them left and right. I, I feel I'm the one being tortured on Twitter most of the time, but, you know, <laughs> Jeremy, you, you, you say that these are not classic games. Let's just cut right to the chase here. This was a great game to watch. You know, most of the time when we've been doing this, there's been, you know, more of a slog and we're going like, oh, if we had our choice, we would actually fast forward to 2021. This was a great game from the first quarter on, and we won't spoil what happens here, but just a legitimately enjoyable game with Hall of Famers, the Grizzlies playing pretty well, and a dramatic ending. Yeah, there's a lot of talent on the floor. We're going back to December 17th, 1996 at General Motors Place in Vancouver. It's only been five games since we left uh, left you last, our fair listener, uh, when the Grizzlies beat the Spurs. Since then, they've lost to the Mavs, lost to the Hornets, drubbed by the Blazers. They beat the Magic and lost to the Suns. They're a sparkling 4-20. and And the Rockets, with those Hall of Famers, are closing out three games and four nights on the West Coast. At this point, they've won six in a row, and their record on the season is 21-2. and two. Like, it's one of the greatest starts to a season in NBA history, and they're coming up against the hapless Grizzlies, and I can assure you that they believe that this is going to be a walkover. Yeah, absolutely. Like, this, you have to remember the Rockets here, they won, of course, two championships in a row, then Jordan came back, and the Bulls had... Uh, their first of championship and the second three-peat, their 72 wins, all that. But the Rockets, they upgraded in the offseason and got Sir Charles Barkley. They already had Hakeem the Dream and Clyde Drexler. You got three Hall of Famers here. You're off to an all-time start. We know that the Rockets in this era of the team never actually got to the finals, courtesy of John Stockton three, and never really reached their potential. But at this point in the season, they are firing on all cylinders. The sky's the limit. And then they run into the buzzsaw. <laughs> that is the Vancouver Grizzlies. Live from the General Motors place in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia, UPN 20 finishes up this road trip with the Houston Rockets. Tonight, the Rockets go for a sweep of the Northwest as they take on the Vancouver Grizzlies. It's funny. You would think this could be a game that they sort of, you know, slack off a little bit. And as we see, especially in the first quarter, that happens. But let's go to the starting lineups. Yeah, we've got Lee Mayberry and Anthony Peeler at guard for the Grizzlies. George Lynch at small forward. Sharif Abdurrahim at power. Big country at the center position for the Houston Rockets. Matt Maloney starting at the point. Mario Ellie, Clyde Drexler. Kevin Willis is in for Charles Barkley, who has a foot injury. 
and Akeem, the dream Elijah one, who we discovered, Justin, or rediscovered, had quite the affinity for Vancouver, British Columbia. Yeah, the, the announcers in this game, who first of all are hilarious the entire time and we'll get to that excellent very excellent they just mark offhand that rumors of Akeem wanting to play in vancouver at one point and i heard that and went i'm I'm sorry what Mm -hmm. uh and then (laughs) there were actually published articles including one by sam smith uh the famous jordan rules author of the 1990s saying that hakeem it was all true that he lived in the summertime in vancouver that he loved the city and that he had told people that he hoped to end his career in Vancouver. Now, that never happened, <laughs> of course. And the Canadian team that he did sort of play with at mm-hmm. the twilight of his career, the less said about how he did there, the better. Uh, but this isn't the only, you know, over the course of the Grizzlies history, there were a lot of connections with the Rockets. There was, of course, the Steve Francis trade. The Grizzlies right now have Pete Chilcut on their team courtesy of the Rockets uh, as well. It's interesting, all the little links here that come into this first game. And then the first quarter begins. We would expect the Rockets to play pretty well. And in fact, the exact opposite happens. They're absolutely comatose. And I, I mean, it's beyond comatose. It's almost as though they're praying that Rudy Tomjanovich will take them out because they just, they look like they don't want to play. They're completely dead. They remind me of the bulls in that Jordan game that we did from season one, but only the bulls did it with more swagger. Like we don't care. Whereas Houston looked just stunned out there. And it was really cool to see the Grizzlies were super frisky. They start the game on a 19 to three run. And the key to that success early is they are immediately double-teaming Akeem Olajuwon every single time he touches the ball in the post. And now there's a difference between how they do that sometimes. Sometimes it's immediate, it's quick, and it's throwing him off. He's throwing the ball away. The Rockets don't know what to do. And the odd time, that double comes a little slow. And when that happens, Akeem has passing lanes. He finds the open guy. And they are getting to the free-throw line a little bit. However, the energy's not there Clyde Drexler is a corpse. Yes. <laughs> like he doesn't even care out there. And the announcers who we uh, mentioned, we should say who they are, Bill Worrell, uh, who just finished a 41-year career with the Rockets this past season, and Hall of Famer Calvin Murphy, who uh, played his entire career with the Rockets. They're a pleasure to listen to, but they're being really hard on the Rockets. 16-3, to Vancouver. This is an embarrassment. Right now, the Grizzlies on a 14 to 1 run. Well, what the Rockets have got to do now, they got to take the ball to the basket. Mario Ellie with a three. He misses. The only thing the Rockets are getting are three pointers. Because that's the only thing they're looking for, Bill. Lynch, fast break, and he's fouled. Which team is the Rockets and which team is Vancouver, Bill? Well, it's hard to tell. Though Murphy did add. No, no, no. They're going to figure it out. Like, he knows how much better a team they are than the Grizzlies. But it was interesting to see them as the announcers going, like, what is going on here? It is amazing. And, you know, you 19 to 3, as you said, that it started off. That never happens for Vancouver. It certainly doesn't happen against a playoff team. It certainly doesn't happen against what at this point is the team with the best record in the NBA. And you would think at 19 to 3, maybe things would change and the Rockets would wake up. But they don't at any point in this first quarter. There's a great George Link block. Anthony Peeler gets a long two to make it 23 to 7. We get a big. Uh, Roy Rogers dunk 
and the announcers say, and Lynch with a rebound, long downcourt pass, Roy Rogers. This is the worst I've seen the Rockets play in five years, Bill. This is an embarrassment. Yeah, this is, this is ridiculous. The quarter ends 25-10. to 10. I crunched the numbers, Jeremy. This is the second biggest lead the Grizzlies have ever had in a first quarter where they ended up winning the game in franchise history. It is so surreal. It was wonderful to watch. It seemed like a mirage. But let's keep the good conversation going by going straight from the first quarter to our first profile of the day. Extra, extra, the Reef Review. Man, it's a joy to see how quickly Sharif turns into a great player so soon in this first season. He plays such a mature game. He's 22 points, six boards, three assists, three steals on ultra-efficient shooting. Seven for 10 from the field and eight for nine from the free throw line, which was really impressive. And you wouldn't say there were too many moments where he really shone or looked like a superstar, but it was just that steady eddy always there, always in the right spot, um, was often the doubler on Akeem on defense. So he was moving. And I want to point us to that third quarter, which we will get to, but it's important for the Sharif part of this. There's a part early on in the third quarter where it looks like the Rockets are going to spread the lead and Reef hits a really clutch jumper. And then it's that five, six, seven points Rockets lead. Uh, it seems concerning. And he gets to the free throw line three times in like five possessions and he hits all six free throws. And again, that's not flashy. That's not something that you'll see on a highlight reel, but that's winning basketball. That's how as a star player, you stop the bleeding, you get the contact, you get to the line and then you make your free throws and you keep your team in the game. And that was the story of Sharif today. He was the best player on the floor for the Vancouver Grizzlies. And in a quiet way, like you said, you know, I think the Sharif story, if the team ever got support around him, you would have seen more Sharif games like this where he only takes 10 shots from the field as opposed to 10 or 20 or 25 and it just becomes sort of chunky basketball at a certain point. But yeah, he was matched up with Kevin Willis for most of the game, who is no slouch by himself and really held his own the entire time. Like you said, great lateral quickness, getting to Hakeem and the double all the time, continued to show sort of those nice moves that we saw in the Spurs game. It was just a pleasure to watch. Absolutely. And like, I just want to talk about those double teams a little bit too, because Reef was so highly involved in so many of those. What it really did for the Grizzlies was just force them into a really energetic style. And we know this 90s style of basketball can be filled with so much drudgery and it really slows down. And I think it can kill the energy in the athletes out there sometimes. But with that double team action, there was the there was the quick double and then there was the recovery and the help defense to shift over to the guys who were left open. And that just had the Grizzlies buzzing on defense and Sharif was a huge part of that as well. Huge part of it, the entire game. You gave a little bit of spoilers there of what happens. No, Virginia, the Vancouver Grizzlies do not win every quarter by 15 points in this. At one point in the uh, second, George Lynch has an air vault, and Murphy, the announcer, says, now the real Grizzlies have shown up, which I had to laugh at. <laughs> <laughs> Hakeem blocks big country. 
He blocks Reef. He's starting to really feel it, even though he never gets really the offense going this game. You can see, oh yeah, this is one of the top 20 players uh, of all time. But the Grizz are still in it throughout the second quarter, playing well. We get another long two by Peeler. He's still stroking it in the first part of the season quite well. We get a George Link dunk off a broken play at one point. Goes on the floor, Reed saves it. Mayberry, Lynch with a slam. They're still generating offense. They're still having energy. We get a long two by Peeler at another point. Another awkward George Link dunk, but it makes it happen. And they're playing, you know, step for step, shot for shot with the Rockets in this second still. And the interesting thing for the Rockets here is that Drexler still hasn't shown up. Akeem's still struggling with the double teams a little bit. He's getting a little bit better in the second quarter. It's Kevin Willis who really is the lifesaver for the Rockets in this second quarter. And in particular, it's the Kevin Willis jump hook. He made four <laughs> of them. At this point, I'm thinking there should be like Kevin Willis jump hook statue out front of the Rockets arena. He's just money with the jump hook from like six, seven feet. And the other thing is actually a super key contribution in the second quarter, and the announcers mentioned it as well, and I'd agree, was Matt Bullard. If you remember Matt Bullard, the, uh, I don't know, six foot eight, six foot nine sharpshooter for the Rockets in those mid-90s, he comes in with a burst of energy, hits a three, hits a J, couple tough rebounds, and, I mean, functionally, he was just a player who was trying hard, <laughs> and that helped keep the Rockets in the game. So it was interesting that... Those two guys were kind of the ones who were dragging along the Hall of Famers. And the Grizz looked a bit tired, but as you said, they, they counterpunched, they kept coming, and they really stayed in the game through to halftime. Halftime comes after another air ball by Lynch in the second quarter. He had three of them. But the Grizzlies are up 47-39 after two quarters, and that leads us to... What did Stu do now? <sighs> You know, it's only been five games since the last time we showed a So there's very little that Stu could have done in that time for us to score. On. And the biggest Stu calamity of the season is still coming. Don't worry about that. <laughs> but during this time, he starts the one and only Moochie Norris experiment in Vancouver. And uh, at this point, Moochie Norris is a free agent. He was drafted by the Bucks in the second round of the 96 draft unsigned Stu snatches him up he plays a grand total of eight games for the grizzlies during this time including this game against the rockets where he gets all of nine minutes and 35 seconds and then the grizz release him and that's it and for there the story would end except for one thing jeremy Mushi Norris goes on to have a bona fide NBA career. He plays 445 games. He is a key contributor with the Houston Rockets of all places just a couple seasons later, is in playoff games with them, gets a lot of starts, is certainly a borderline contributor that is the seventh or eighth man on a playoff team, which the Grizzlies could have used. And for whatever reason, they just didn't give him the minutes during his stint and then let him go. Like so many stories we see with Stu, not really realizing the value of an asset. Yeah, I mean, I totally hear you there. And, and I do remember the contributions that Mucci made to some of those um, those pretty solid Rocket teams. But if you're looking for the sample size of this game and Mucci Norris, I do not blame Stu for not keeping him around long. <laughs> he was brutal in this game. Like he would try to penetrate off the dribble and the ball's just gone. Like, he's not strong on the ball. It's funny. When he shoots, 
Uh, and it's same with Lawrence Moat in this game. When they shoot, it reminds me of those big pressure games I, like that I used to play in in high school where you're so scared that when you get the ball, you kind of just huck it up and you just shoot it strong enough that it'll hit the rim, but you're not really like stroking it. You're like, just get it up there. And hopefully it's not an air ball. He's lack. I mean, he's a rookie. Is he a rookie there or is he? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a rookie. So, I mean, I, yeah, it's tough. Like, like they got to develop their talent, obviously, but man, he's not deserving of minutes in the NBA at this point though. Yes. Of course, as a GM, it's your job to have the foresight to be able to see that someone might be able to develop into a rotation player, which Moochie, of course, did. You know, and maybe it's just because we are in the beginning of the Lee Mayberry experience where we see Ah, him get minutes after minutes for seasons, seasons where you know nothing is happening. And then there's these players like Moochie and, you know, we'll see Aaron Williams later in this season as well, who get a cup of coffee with the Grizz, but go on to better things somewhere else. And it just makes you wonder why, Stu. And let's and let's talk about those guards a bit because that's like, we'll move into the third quarter here because that was something that really emerged for me as a big problem for the Grizzlies here. You have Reef playing well. You have Country playing, not amazingly, but totally solid, like playing some some pretty bang-up D on Akeem with the double teams. He's rebounding a bit. He's He is scoring when he gets his touches. George Lynch playing well. I'll give Peeler credit for hitting jumpers, but the guard play from Lee Mayberry, Moochie Norris, and Lawrence Moten, I mean, it's not nothing. It's funny because if you look at the the stats, Mayberry's plus 12 and he's got 10 assists, and we'll hear about him being clutch a little bit later, but they have no inkling to attack the hoop or attack the paint. No. They, like, I don't know if it's because they can't or they're told not to, but like, Maybe he'll cross over and there's just nothing there. He creates no space. Obviously, we know that dribble penetration is important because when you hit the lane, the defenders have to collapse to you and that opens up the outside shooting. And there's just none of that created by the guards. And that leaves someone like Anthony Peeler to be taking contested 20-footers with two feet on the three-point line, which he made a couple of this game. But that's not efficient offense, and that's why the Grizzlies average under 90 points a game and were absolutely putrid on offense. They couldn't create anything from that guard position. And we forgot to mention, Greg Anthony's still in civvies with the injury, and that's super painful to be missing out on that dynamic dribble penetration creation that G-Money brings to the table. And, you know, it's going to be a while until we get to the Mike Bibby era and finally have a guard that can really create offense and separation and speed there. And, you you know, those basic things that NBA players should be able to do if they're starting all, all the time. But instead, we get plenty of Mayberry in this third quarter. Like you said, things start to turn sour a little bit. We get a lot of Matt Maloney threes. Again, Hakeem not doing a whole lot on offense, but he is eating up the Grizzlies now a little bit in the post. He's getting a little bit more efficient. We're starting to see Drexler and Hakeem have just this really easy two-man game going. And just like they know each other, there's just this no-look passes, quick touch, the pace is just one of those things where you go, oh, they even on a B-minus game, are a step ahead of all these Grizzlies. Uh, There is no real highlight. It's just the Rockets take over the game because they are the better team. They outscore the Grizzlies 34-20 to in the third. It ends with them up, after being down the entire game, up 73-67. And I will say, though, 
for me as a fan watching this game, the theme of the second half became, is this where the Grizzlies lay down? And then they wouldn't. And the key moment for that in the third quarter actually came from our boy, Blue Edwards, who was activated for this game from injury. Five of eight from the three-point line. Maloney trying to pass it inside. Steal by Blue Edwards. Edwards, Peeler, tipped up and in. And a foul on Mario Ellis. And it's one of those moments where you're like, oh, this is it. They're going to blow it wide open. The Rockets are really hitting their stride. They're hitting shots. And Blue gets a nice, steal, uh, a nice steal on D. And then he hammers home an offensive rebound put back with an and one. And that really shifted the momentum from like runaway freight train Rockets to like, okay, maybe the Grizzlies are going to stay with them. And it was interesting that, you know, Blue kind of picked that spot to really reel the Rockets back in. Yeah, I, and, you know, this is where, like, if Blue Edwards was your energy guy off the bench doing this every game, I think you're in a good place. And it was nice to see him come in and, and do that and be able to create some stuff, mix some stuff. You know, it's not like his shooting looked good, but uh, was there to give that energy when it was starting to lag a little bit from the starters. Uh, oh, and he did have, I should mention, there was a Blue Edwards classic broken wing stork <laughs> leaner from 17 feet, I believe when he first came in in the first half. And you, you could tell he just can't help himself. He's just like jumps up and launches and, you know, you got to love him for it. Third quarter, 73-67 for the Rockets. Before going to the fourth, though, we could do our final segment called... There no Grizzly. <laughs> So we're going to take a little bit of a look, a closer look at Roy Rogers, who looked really great in this game. He only played 14 minutes, but lots of energy on defense, eight points, two boards, a block on three of five shooting. And of course, you know, we got very tired of announcers beating a dead horse on how fat and out of shape big country is. I'm sure another theme we'll run into here is... Roy Rogers cowboy jokes, because we sure heard a lot of those. <laughs> He's left-handed, remember, and that's goaltending on Roy Rogers. He tried to cut him off at the pass. To the point where the announcers actually had to call themselves out on it and say, okay, that's enough. We got to stop, stop talking about quick draw, okay, corral, you know, whatever. I don't even know that stuff, but I do know Roy Rogers was a cowboy and those jokes got very tiresome. But anyway... Roy Rogers, he was the 22nd pick in the NBA draft by Vancouver out of Alabama. And as you'll remember, possibly one of the most charming draft day interviews of all time. Well, to be honest, Greg, I never thought I'd have this opportunity. You know, my dream was to go to college and just get my degree. I fulfilled that dream last year by graduating with a degree in marketing. So I, uh, I He actually hard. finishes ninth in the NBA in blocks this season, total blocks. And, you know, interestingly, has quite a short NBA career, which I find a bit confusing based on how good he looks in some of these games. But he ends up playing 137 games. He averages five points, four rebounds, a block and a half a game in 17 minutes per game. Though, if you look at those blocks per 36 minutes, that's more than three a game. So the blocks are just off the charts. And, um, you know, he's had a great career now as an NBA assistant coach. But one thing about Roy is that he has been involved in some very, very interesting trades involving very interesting players. So the first, sorry to break your hearts, Vancouver fans, he's traded 
the following season in October to Boston for Tony Massenberg and a second round pick that becomes Obina Akizi. He wears number 99 on the Celtics, interestingly. The great one. Yes, Roy Rogers, the great one. Um, a few months later, traded by the Boston Celtics with Chauncey Billups, D. Brown, and John Thomas to the Raptors for Kenny Anderson, Popeye Jones, and Zan Tabak. Kind of a big trade at the time. And then at the end of that year, traded by the Raptors with a first-round pick to the Rockets for Kevin Willis, who we've talked about this game, then traded by the Rockets the next season for Scottie Pippen. So, like, amazingly involved in so many trades in such a short period of time for, like, some major superstars there. Like, we got Kenny Anderson, we got Scottie Pippen, even Kevin Willis there. So that's pretty interesting. And he ends up signing in the 99-2000 season with Denver, plays 40 games, is out of the league, plays in Russia, Italy, Poland, I mean, the guys, he's certainly not a quitter. I tell you that. And I don't know if you know from kind of your encyclopedic memory of the Grizzlies, but like, what was it that hampered him? Like, what was it? Because I looked up Roy Rogers' injuries. I couldn't find anything. Um, you know, I started to surmise and hypothesize that maybe he's one of those players that when he entered the league at 23, that was just his, like, top athletic basketball playing form at, at the age of 23. Like, that could, that could have been what happened. Yeah, I think uh, that there were some nagging injuries as well, which d didn't help. At the end of the day, he got noticed on the court, and you mentioned Roy Rogers' jokes, because he was so distinctive there, and he was making the blocks, and he was being athletic. But when you look at the box scores at the end of each game, you know, if he had repeated this time and time again, three for five and uh, a block, he would have had a long career. He just didn't do that consistently at all, and so much of the time, the blocks were empty calories. He was slow getting to people to on the blocks as well. But you mentioned, you know, his playing career he's been an assistant coach he's been an assistant coach for nine different teams since then so it's like he has lived the full nba life even though it only ended up having what is it 137 actual games playing in the nba and it's been fun seeing these games in the second season where it's like he brings that athleticism you can see what has happened unlike some grizzlies what ifs there's no bitterness there because he always seemed to enjoy the game still enjoys it today and was never going to be the lead guy because of country anyway and i love him and i own his rookie card so that's that <laughs> <laughs> and, and with that we go to the fourth quarter and now the rockets are really starting to wake up and particularly clyde drexler is waking up he makes a three very early on. Hakeem makes a nice mid-range shot. At some point, we get a Kevin Willis spin move dunk. Lawrence Moden tries to make a spin move. It fails because he's Ooh, Lawrence Moden. Drexler nice. gets an easy bucket. Then he gets another easy bucket. The Rockets are up by 10 with five minutes left. And this is looking at this point like, all right, the big boys have woken up. The Grizzlies were in it for a while, and now it is the third quarter, fourth quarter collapse. And that's just all there is to it, because there's a good team and there's a bad team. So, little secret about myself, I like to wager on NBA games. And putting myself back, if I was back then watching this game, and had the ability to bet in-game as we do now, I would have bet my freaking house that the Grizzlies were done with five minutes and 18 seconds left. They're down 10. They're showing no signs of life whatsoever. And then miraculously, dramatically, we get an Anthony Peeler three. We get a George Lynch jumper. And all of a sudden, there's a little bit of life. 
And we even get a little help from the referees on a perfectly clean Akeem the Dream block. And they call a foul. They show the replay. There's nothing there. Nothing at all. The announcers are pissed. Oh, <laughs> man. Lynch took it in on Elijah Wan, and Elijah Wan with a foul, his fifth of the game. Oh, boy, that's now, all now, ball. Now, that's all ball. And he's one of the leading shot blockers that's all of, ball. of all time. That's all ball. Shame on you. <laughs> and I will say, the refereeing throughout this game, not in a one-sided way, like not just for the Rockets or just for the Grizz, it was crap. Like, I felt like there was a lot of just, like, they would pick their spots and call like four touch fouls and then they'd like let someone get hammered and then they'd call Akeem who like as far as I remember is like an all-time leader in block shots and they call him on a completely clean block but anyway the Grizzlies are still alive and it brings us to like a really fun interesting home stretch. Yeah, and so the Grizzlies are spunky. They're keeping in it. You mentioned Peeler getting alive, but Hakeem is picking it up. He's uh, the Hall of Famer. He's doing what he's supposed to do in the clutch. He gets one fall away to make them up five with two minutes left in the game. He gets another one, the exact next possession, to make it 92-87 with 90 seconds left. But Reeves gets fouled. Big country's in there. He gets one of two. Puts it to within four. Drexler misses a finger roll. Then Lee Mayberry gets a three with 34 seconds left, putting the Grizzlies down to one. Here comes Vancouver. Mayberry gets a good look at a three. He got it. Lee Mayberry with a three-pointer. And the Rockets lead is only one. Mario Ellie misses a three. There's a timeout. The crowd is amped. We've got one shot to take down the Rockets. And what is going to happen? And I mean... One thing, I'll go back to that Elijah one stuff. This is this Brian Winters thing where all of a sudden they're not doubling him anymore. It's, wor- <laughs> it's worked all game. It's worked The entire game. game. It's worked brilliantly. It was an amazing game plan. It's like, well, there's two minutes left. Might as well get the Hall of Famer just going and ripping us apart with single team coverage. And I will talk about that Drexler drive for just a moment. It was a thing of just, it was hideous that drive (laughs) no rim he just chucked it i don't even know what he was doing there anyway so yes it comes down to the final play we got the ball out of bounds and calvin murphy says it'll be mayberry peeler is who they're gonna go to i can assure you of that and while calvin murphy may be proven wrong here i think that's what the entire building is thinking that's what the rockets are thinking reef has had the game and this is where Brian Winters zags, where everyone thinks he's going to zig. And it's quite brilliant. So let me take you through the play here, Justin. So George Lynch takes it out of bounds, and Lee Mayberry is back to get it. There's pressure from the Rockets from Matt Maloney, and Reef comes back to set kind of an awkward screen. All good. Mayberry hurries the ball up the left side once he gets it inbounded. Anthony Peeler is on the left block, and it looks like we're going to get some action for him, kind of a pick-and-pop thing. Big Country's there, and as far as I'm concerned, Country's going to screen down for AP, and he's going to come up and grab the ball and huck a three. Country takes one step toward Peeler. Instead of setting that screen, he comes up and screens Matt Maloney on the left side. It's an on-ball screen for late Lee Mayberry. Mayberry uses a screen, goes to the right, and Elijah one and Matt Maloney inexplicably double team Lee Mayberry and they're not even cutting off the passing lanes 
Country has rolled to open space almost on the baseline, kind of between the elbow and the baseline, 16 feet out. Mayberry hits him. A big country reads. Got it. And Vancouver takes the lead by one. Country's taken this shot, what, a million times in his career, but almost never has he been that wide open except in practice. And he absolutely drills it from 16 feet. It's a pick and pop, right? Like, But it was so well done. And you would think it was Stockton and Malone out there with just the ease. And, you know, you mentioned the inexplicable part is both the Rockets going towards Mayberry. Maybe they were spooked by his three just before then. Yeah. But it's amazing yeah. how wide open he is there. There's something about Country's mid-range game that just, I think... As viewers, we're starting to to build a lot of trust in. And I think, obviously, that's proven out with Brian Witters as well because he has Reef, who's on one. He has AP, who has been stroking at this game. But he goes to the big man. And I don't know, maybe that's part of the ethos of, like, continue to, to develop country. But, I mean, I just thought it was a really nicely drawn-up play. And country looked comfortable. He just, he stroked it, and it looked great. However... One part of the execution that I will nitpick, why are there still six seconds left on the clock, guys? You don't, you should not be giving the other team another chance. Because it worked just so well. Uh, you're right. <laughs> it was so clean. So clean. There's 5.8 seconds left. The first last chance for the Rockets gets sort of busted. Hakeem gets the ball way outside. Then Ellie is fouled so there's just 1.5 seconds left but that's enough you got two hall of famers on the court that's enough you can draw up something you would think you would get some sort of decent shot here by the way the last 90 seconds of this game take more than 10 minutes it's classic 90s <laughs> basketball but then the five or modern or modern yeah as we saw during the playoffs a little bit 1.5 seconds left last chance for the rockets and elijah on turns fires misses the game is over the game is over, and Vancouver wins for only the fifth time this season. The Rockets are 21-1 in the United States and 0-2 in Canada. Hakeem gets it, but he's in a really tough spot with tight D. He makes a turnaround attempt from like foot on the three-point line, fading almost horizontally, and it's nothing, it's nowhere close. Grizzlies win! Grizzlies win! It's an air ball. Big Country swishes a shot to give the Grizzlies the lead, and Hakeem <laughs> Olajuwon, Hall of Famer, airballs it. I think, based on our sample size of one, it's Country over Dream anytime. But no, like, it's oh, it yes. went the exact bizarre way. Of course Country bricks it, and of course the Dream makes the turnaround. And instead, you had this, you had the fans go crazy, the Vancouver Grizzlies, beat the best team in the NBA. And I'm smiling so hard when I say that because that never happens and it never should happen, but it did. It sure did. And and even that the inbound with 5.8 left, they, they played swarming inbound defense. Like that was, that was I, I, I kind of went, wow, that is the deny defense. And there was even some switches. Like it was artistry on defense and, and they really locked it down. So hell yeah, Grizzlies. That was fun to watch. It was the only thing when you watch a game like that with the Grizzlies where they're energetic throughout, where they're balanced on offense, when uh, they're making the smart plays on defense, is why couldn't this be more often? And with that...
This has been with the second pick, Steve Francis. I'm Jeremy Allingham for Justin McElroy. Join us for our next game, which will be, do we know? Uh, the Warriors. They're not good. <laughs> <laughs> Join us for our next game, which will be against the Golden State Warriors. Warriors.